Thank you so much, you guys. All right, we are going to do something special this morning. Pastor Dustin is going to come to us on the screen, and he'll explain it in just a moment why he's coming to us on the screen. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians is the same uh, book that we had last week. We were in Philippians chapter 2. This morning we're in Philippians chapter 3. If you brought your Bible app along or your Bible along, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 14 this morning. All right, David, go ahead and roll the video. Um, I am from my office quarantining because I just took a test that says I have COVID. And um, I just found out this morning um, because I was a close contact. And so I wanted to make sure I got a test uh, to make sure we stay safe. Um, But with that, I still wanted to make sure that you could hear a message that I had prepared. um, A message on perseverance. (laughs) What a great topic. Uh, to talk about when um, I have COVID and I'm persevering to share God's word with you. What a joy to do. Uh, As we get going here, um, I'm going to invite you to pray with me, and let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ability to hear your voice through many different avenues and also through technology. Uh, We're asking your blessing upon this word that it be shared to many others uh, so that we might um, persevere in hearing your voice today. Um, even through different mediums, through different people, through different avenues. Um, It's your voice that we need over all, and so bless the preaching of your word, and we pray this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. So, I don't know if you have ever been tempted to give up on anything. I don't know what comes to mind for you, but I definitely have a period of my life where if there was anything I was going to give up on, it was my sophomore year of high school, as a wrestler. Now, let me explain the backstory. I had dreamed of being part of the basketball team, dreamed of shooting three-pointers just like my bro, but I got cut. And so I went as a wrestler, not knowing much about the sport, thinking it helped me be a better football player. It was my sophomore year, and I got moved up to varsity, not because I was good, but because the guy in front of me got kicked off the team. And so I had as many as five matches a week, two during the week and maybe a tournament with three of them. And out of all the matches I ever did uh, my sophomore year, you want to guess how many I won? Zero. (laughs) I was prayed up and psyched up, but it didn't matter. I still won zero. (laughs) I remember one match where um, I weighed in five pounds overweight that day, so I couldn't eat until weigh-in. And the one match I could have won, I lost in overtime because I didn't have energy. I remember a defining moment. We were hosting a tournament at at our school at Lakeside. And um, this one opponent knew I only knew one move. It was called the stand-up. And so he was behind, and every time I tried to use my one move, stand-up, he'd slam me down. So it was like stand-up, slam down, stand-up, slam down. And he took great joy in slamming me to the ground. In fact, the only thing I was really good at, which isn't really saying much, is not getting pinned. That I could keep one shoulder blade off of the mat for long enough and, um, and that was somewhat my thing, if it's a thing. I don't think it's a thing. If ever I was going to quit something, it was high school wrestling my sophomore year, but I didn't. And part of the reason I didn't is because I knew what you might know about quitting. I knew that if I quit now, that could lead into a character where I quit the hard things of life, 
if I quit this thing, it could lead to quitting maybe a job someday, quitting a, a class someday, quitting a relationship too early, that I knew it could be characteristic of a worse problem, which is quitting too early. So I stuck in. And so here's the first takeaway that maybe you agree with me on, that I believe it's a virtue not to give up on certain things. It's a virtue not to give up. That's your first fill-in, by the way. Don't give up. And maybe in your own life, you figured that that was a virtue in certain regards, that, that you didn't give up when it came to that college, and you didn't give up when it came to that relationship, and you didn't give up on your first day of work, and you know it's really good not to give up too quickly. You know, one of the books that was talking about this virtue is a book called Grit. Let's see if I have it on my bookshelf. Grit. Angela Duckworth. And here she says that enthusiasm is common, but that endurance is rare. And once you agree with that, many people are enthused about the idea of doing something, enthused about a new venture or living somewhere new, but to actually see something through, uh, to move there and stay, to, to stay at the job, to stay in the relationship, endurance is rare. It always reminds me of the difference between dreamers and doers, right? Like it's one thing to have a dream, it's another thing to like actually go after the dream and make it happen, make it, make it come to be. Well, we're in this series called um, True Virtue and, and the reason we're doing it is because I do believe that some of the greatest virtues we have come from God. And I want to welcome you if you're just joining us online for a very different Sunday with a COVID pastor. <laughs> and, and something that I would propose to you is this, that knowing Jesus and walking with Jesus is the greatest thing about life. I'm going to say it again. Knowing Jesus and walking with Jesus is the greatest thing about this earthly life. And while I said it was the greatest, it's not the easiest. In fact, there are many obstacles. Jesus warned all of his disciples about these obstacles. He said, you know, people are going to hate you because of me. They're going to persecute you because of me. In fact, when, when you become a disciple of Jesus, you need to know you become a target for spiritual warfare, and now the devil has a reason to go after you in particular so that nothing good happens. And what we see because of all the obstacles is many people are not persevering in their walk with the Lord. I just heard a Christianity Today article where it says the new segment of people leaving are young women. Young women who don't think that they are being heard unless they're married. I don't think that there's a place for them. Um, and, and so, again, uh, we see exodus of millennials and young women. Or, and maybe in your own life, you know someone who says, you know what, um, uh, this isn't for me anymore. Uh, maybe they were burnt by the church. They, they had that bad church experience. And, and now they're not walking with the Lord because something got in the way. That's not new. In fact, in the Bible, during the time of Jesus, people were walking away. Jesus knew how to draw a crowd. He knew how to inspire people for a moment, and they were enthused by it, but not many endured. There was this one time in John chapter 6 where Jesus just got done talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. By the way, we don't think that's about communion. It's just about the teachings of God, and namely that he's the Messiah. But after this teaching, um, in John 6, verse 66, it says this. Um, got my Bible here. In John 6, you can get your Bible too if you'd like. John 6, 66. And you know it's a bad verse because it's John 6, 66, right? 666. Anyway, um, bad joke. Um, it says, from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. We see that today. Jesus, this is hard. That teaching is hard. How do we do this? 
and they turn their back. But Peter had a good response. When others were turning away, Jesus turned to the 12 and they said, do you want to leave too? Do you want to not persevere in walking with me or endure? And Peter had a noble response. He said this. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. <laughs> and I kind of laugh at this. It's Peter's words. It's not like we haven't considered it. We have considered it. <laughs> but who else has what you have? Who else has words of eternal life, words of peace and hope when that's what we need? And that's still why walking with Jesus and knowing Jesus is the best overall. Because who else has an answer for eternal life? Who else has peace and joy and hope in the same way? It's only Jesus. So let's talk about perseverance. Our lesson for today is Philippians chapter 3. Feel free to go there with me. Uh, we were in Philippians last week, and Pastor Jeff did a great job of describing this book, that uh, the two big words in Philippians are Jesus and joy, and the correlation of the two. That if you have Jesus, you have joy. <laughs> if you don't have Jesus, you don't have the same kind of joy. And, and Paul now is talking in chapter 3 about what it is to press on. Um, in his walk with the Lord, um, he, how he considers everything else comparatively to his walk with the Lord. So if you're following along, we're in Philippians 3, um, verses uh, 7 through 14. I'm going to read it here, and we're going to dive in. May God bless us. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. We're going to talk about that word. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Jesus. The words of God. Beautiful words, yeah. In fact, can you just say at home, I press on, I press on. Yeah. Thanks for participating. I know you all said it loud and proud. <laughs> um, when it comes to perseverance, would you agree that there are certain areas that are good to persevere in and there are certain areas not good to persevere in? Let's talk about the not for just a little bit. I want to know, do you have a used car? Uh, if you're watching this, raise your hand if you have a used car. Raise your hand if your car has over 100,000. Raise your hand if it has over 200,000. Raise your hand if you're getting close to 250,000. We have a Prius close to 250,000. Anyway, but if you have a used car, you get to this kind of inflection point where you have to ask the question, is it more wise to repair or is it more wise to replace? Repair or replace, repair or replace. And I remember when we got to that point with um, the uncoolest car we ever had as a family, sorry, Dad, but we had a white Ford Windstar. It was a minivan. And you can probably tell where this is going, should we repair or replace, but I'll, I'll tell the story anyway. Um, it needed a new transmission with about 100,000 miles on it. And this was a car we were using a lot for church to transport certain things. And so my dad, he fixed the transmission. 
But after that was fixed, it was thing after thing after thing. And two years later and thousands of dollars later, hindsight being what it is, 2020, he should have repaired rather than re or replaced rather than repaired. Right? Have you ever been that hindsight being 2020 where you look back on something and man, if, if someone would have told me in college, I'm not going to use this degree. Man, I would have loved to hear that like the first day of college, not going through the four years and now having the, the student debt. Or maybe it was a relationship and hindsight being what it is. If someone would have actually told me what was going on and how bad it was, man, if, that, if I would have just kind of got out at that moment, um, my life would be much better than having dug in and persevering for the wrong priority. Because here's a principle in your next fill-in. That persevering in the wrong priority is foolish. It's foolish. Persevering in the wrong priority is foolish. But how do we know what's going to be a good priority and what's foolishness? Here's where the Apostle Paul helps us so much. Love is perspective. Let's get into it. So Paul said, you know what's worth persevering? Here's his words. He says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. What's the priority that Paul is going after? Knowing Christ Jesus. And as he compares that with everything else, everything, they're not even neutral, they're negative. As I was considering Paul's life, I, I consider like before when he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees, um, a, a hugely religious person. Um, he was a Roman citizen, a high status in uh, that time period. Uh, he knew how to fend for himself. He was a tent maker who knew how to make a buck and, and, and get an earning. Um, he was someone who had influence and sway. In fact, he could intimidate the whole group of people called the early Christian church just because of how powerful he was. And Paul looks back in that and he says, out of all that, it's not even neutral, it's negative compared to my new life in Jesus Christ. What about you? Maybe for you there was a time where you weren't in Christ and you look back at that old life and you're like, I was doing what? I was pursuing what? That's not even a neutral, that's a negative. But Paul says that not only about sinful activity, he, he says that, that everything comparatively to knowing Christ is garbage. Now, I had fun with the word garbage. It's the Greek word skubalin. You want to say that out loud? Just say it with me. Skubalin, right? You know what it means? This is so graphic. Anyway, uh, let's try to keep it light. I'm going to keep it euphemistic. Are you ready? Um, you, you, dog lovers? Where are my dog lovers? You ever walk your dog? Okay. You ever get to the point where the dog, like, steps out and does his stuff, and you have a garbage bag, and you fill the garbage bag with that stuff? That's the type of garbage that Paul is describing when he uses the word scubalum. It, it just is. He says that everything compared to knowing Christ is that. It doesn't matter what it is because of the superior knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus. So for us, do you have that sense through the Spirit? What is the greatest gift you've ever been giving and nothing comes close? It is knowing Christ. What is worth digging in over and persevering for? It is knowing Christ. What is the best gift you can give to your children? It is the knowledge of Christ. What is the reason you should go out and work hard in your job as a Christian so that they might know Christ? 
What is the reason that after 13 years we're still reaching the lost with the love of Christ? Because we know if only one person gets to know Christ, we've given them the greatest gift they might ever have, and nothing even comes close. Yes, wisdom is knowing Christ above all things. That's the next villain, that you might know Christ and guarding that. In fact, I was reading a commentary that gave this illustration. It's kind of like um, a boat going down. And uh, I didn't know this about boats going down, but there's actually names for the cargo that you throw overboard. It's like jetsam and flotsam and, and <laughs> reminds me of, uh, uh, what is it, the Little Mermaid. But anyway, uh, these are the things that either float or don't float um, as you throw the cargo overboard. But, but why do you throw the cargo overboard when there's a storm? Because it doesn't matter how good that food is, and it doesn't matter that set of clothes, and it doesn't matter the furniture that you would have used. What matters is that you survive the storm. <laughs> Similar perspective. To know Christ is everything. What does it matter what we eat or drink? What does it matter what job that we have? What does it matter? Knowing Christ is everything, and here is why. Because if you know Christ... You know that God put you on this planet for a purpose. That you were fearfully and wonderfully made to give him glory. If you know Christ in a world of broken dreams, you know there is this world where all the dreams come true and the broken hearts and dreams are repaired because you know Christ. If you know Christ, you know peace. And a peace, a righteousness that is not based on the gift you give God by being good, but rather the gift that God gives you because Christ was good in your place. You know peace. And what do you know if you know Christ? You know love. Jesus' love. Who looked at a world of hate, who looked at a road of hurt, who looked at the devil's worst and still came. He was the Jesus who still set out resolutely, not only for this earth, but for the cross, because we were on the other side of it, and we needed to know his love. You know love. And even when Jesus was tempted to give up, even when he was in the garden and said, man, take this cup from me, it's too much. Is there any other way? He still drank the cup, because he loved you that much, so that you could know peace and joy and victory Oh, because you know Jesus. Please tell me, what is a greater gift? Is a football game? Is a fast car? Is food a greater gift? I know of none than knowing Christ. And it's this knowledge that then kind of bleeds into all of our other priorities, doesn't it? In fact, here's your take-home. Are you ready for your take-home your take-home uh, this week is to evaluate all of your priorities. What are you pursuing, basically? And if you need some help on this, check your uh, calendar. That'll tell you. Uh, your checkbook. That'll tell you. Uh, your messages and your feeds. That'll tell you. If you have a spouse, ask your spouse what are your priorities. They'll probably tell you. Do it respectfully, spouse. But anyway, um, and, and what I want you to do is after evaluating those priorities, ask the simple question, what does this have to do with Christ? And if you can't find a simple correlation to how this gives him glory, to, to how this helps you know him, I just invite you to pause and ask the simple question, is this then worthy of that perseverance or is this potentially not worthy? 
Because there was a man named Solomon who had it all on every level, money and romance and career and legacy. And he said, apart from God, under the sun, it was all, do you know the fill-in? Meaningless. All right, so now once you have your worthy pursuits, the question for today is what does perseverance look like? Um, perseverance, all right. Um, as I set this next part up, I don't know if anyone else loves the value of trying hard. The value of trying hard. It's something that I love as a bloomer. I want to pass on the value. You don't have to be talented, just trying hard. In fact, that came up in the book Grit. In the book Grit, um, it was talking about this way, uh, that um, talent counts once, but effort counts twice. Talent counts once, effort counts twice. In fact, I was reading a speech from uh, President Theodore Roosevelt. It's called The Man in the Arena. Man, you should read this speech. It's, it's incredibly compelling. And, and he said, you know who counts in the end? Not the critic. The critic doesn't count. Rather, the man in the arena whose face is marred with sweat and blood. Um, the, the man who dares greatly, and even if failing, at least he dared greatly. Great speech. Look it up. And maybe you've seen this in your own life, the value of someone who just tries hard. It's something I try to pass on, like uh, with my kids, if they have a test um, and, and you're feeling uncertain, you know how to feel better about it? Study more. In addition, you know, you know how you feel more comfortable? Try it again, go over it again. Um, and, and there's this beauty of people getting after it. Maybe you've seen that in, in sports, someone who just got after it. Maybe you saw that in someone who served you, they got after it, and that's what perseverance is all about. It's about getting after it. That's your next fill-in, by the way. Perseverance is about getting after it and let nothing stand in your way. In fact, when Paul talked about getting after it, he used this word, uh, press on. That's what it was translated. And, and press on was the Greek word dioko, which just means to run after swiftly. And, and then that reminds me of like running, you know, um, certain races. I, I know some in our congregation have done an Ironman. Shout out to Greg. Um, others who have done marathons. Um, I had a buddy who um, got after a marathon this year. His name is Pastor Adam Gowell. And he had been trying to do a marathon for a couple years. And finally, um, he got after it and just completed the um, marathon in Indianapolis. Congrats, Adam. And, and all that it takes to accomplish something like that, you have to, you have to get after it. But Paul uses this running illustration even more, and, and he says something else that's helpful in perseverance. It's not just getting after it. Uh, rather, consider these words. It's forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. So we some have to forget what came before and just focus on where I need to go now. Reminds me of another running story. Have you heard of Roger Bannister? Roger Bannister was the first person to break a four-minute mile which if you're a runner, that's just incredible. And he had this race against um, someone named John Landy, and they were both head-to-head, um, -head, neck and neck, and um, the defining moment came when John Landy looked back, and as he was looking back, Roger Bannister passed him by. <laughs> it forever tells us how bad it is to look back when you're in a race as Roger They both got under four-minute miles in that race, by the way, pretty incredible, but that look back is the reason they lost. I wonder how many of us today in our personal lives are struggling because we look back. I think of the passage from Ecclesiastes that it's not wise to call the 
old days better. Don't look back. I consider for us how often we are stuck in what was done to us or who we are or who we were, excuse me, versus who we are and who we could become in Christ Jesus. Some of you need to hear this. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're not who you were. Some of you need to hear this, that there is a new day starting today where by the Spirit of God, you can focus more on who you want to be and who you are in Christ Jesus than who you ever were. Some of us just need to shake off the bitterness of the past, shake off all the things that happened to us and say, in Christ Jesus, I got a clean start. I can run after some stuff. What matters more is not what's in behind of me, but rather what I can do through him. And all? What does perseverance lead to? Why is Paul fighting for what is ahead? Because he knows what's at the end. And so the last part of perseverance, if you're taking notes, we had three. It's getting after it. It's looking ahead, not, not being stymied by the past. And it's finally keeping the, the pro, the, your eye on the prize. And this reminds me of Stephen Covey and uh, the seven habits of very effective people. And, and he says, begin with the end in mind. That uh, when you start a relationship, if you're dating, begin with the end in mind. That maybe you're thinking of marriage. If not, maybe you shouldn't begin the relationship. Or uh, you start a college, you begin with the end in mind. I, I know what job I'm going to get if I go to this college. It's wise to do that. And so Paul is saying, you know what, as I begin, as I run this race, I have the end in mind the whole time. And that end is victory. That end is a prize. That end is so glorious that all Revelation could say is there are streets of gold and pearly gates, but it's better than that. Paul says, I'm never going to keep my eyes off of that prize. So persevere by keeping your eye on the prize. So that's the virtue of perseverance. And, and hopefully it was general enough that um, if you use these principles, it can apply to many different avenues. It can apply to your work and relationships. But as I close... There's this, this one final idea that I couldn't keep out of my mind. It's okay that we all have very different priorities, and we will, <laughs> as you do the priority inventory. But if you're in Christ, I think we could all have the same overarching priority of knowing Christ Jesus and keeping that our top pursuit. And if you agree with me that we could all keep this as number one, Paul says, well, then this is what you're in for. This is the journey that we could be on together. The journey that Paul is on, the journey I want to be on, the journey I hope you want to be on. Are you ready for the journey, what we're going to find? Paul says, as I keep this number one, this is what I, I'm going to come to find. Because Paul says, I want to know Christ. And you're going to know him better by pursuing it. And to know the power of his resurrection, the participation of his suffering." And somehow attain the resurrection of the dead. Do you get that? I want to know power and suffering and the resurrection of the dead. As we pursue Christ, the first thing we're entitled to is power. Do you know that the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in you? And that's just fun to think about because I don't know about you, I love superheroes. And I would have loved to be like Spider-Man, bitten by a spider, and now I can like hang from walls. Would have loved to be like the Hulk, and every time, you know, um, I need some super strength, you know, I'll just 
get in Hulk mode, right? Um, but but actually, if you're in Christ, you know you have a superpower. You have, as Chris Tomlin said, resurrection power inside of you. And that power means you have untapped potential. In fact, I was reading a commentary. I, I love this. Um, this is the People's Bible series. Do you see it on the shelf? It's white. The People's Bible series. And um, I just love that um, there the People's Bible said, there is no limit to what Christ Jesus can do through the Spirit. In fact, as I, I went there, as my mind went there, as I considered no limit on what Christ might do in us, I thought of this. What if in our congregation is someone who creates revival for their family because they were not limited and they knew the goal of what it was to share Jesus? What if it's someone who creates revival in this city or in this nation? What if in our congregation there's someone who knew there was no limit at what God could do through them and through their generosity made such a wave in the kingdom as they supported gospel ministry? What if there's someone in our congregation who as they work for the Lord makes just a splash in their career and they do it as a Christian and they keep God at the forefront and, and, and they give him glory in a great way because there's no limit as you have resurrection power inside of you of what God might do through your life. I think of like the preacher to Billy Graham. Did, did whoever preached to Billy Graham know that Billy Graham would someday uh, be this, this great preacher? And, and I wonder how many Billy Grahams and, and, and Mrs. Grahams are in the congregation not limited and knowing that the Spirit can use them in great ways. Paul says, I want to experience that power. Did Paul ever know what would be made of his life? Paul says there's a prize. But Paul also says that he wants to have this fellowship of suffering. And that kind of strikes me strange. Paul, you want to know the fellowship of suffering? What are you talking about? I want to like avoid suffering. Paul, what, what is this superior plane you're on? But I think I know what he's talking about. You know, to set it up, I, I consider all the things we learned during COVID. And I'm not sure what God taught you during COVID. But for me as a pastor and looking at people's lives, COVID meant that there was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of broken dreams and disappointment. There was a lot of pain. There was just a ton of hard circumstances. And we so often talk about the love of Christ. And what I love to proclaim and is very true is that that love is free to you. Grace is a gift. It comes with no strings attached. The love of Christ is free to you. But was it free? <laughs> Not at all. The love of Christ was gained through perseverance and grit. Jesus Christ suffered more than we will ever have to suffer on every level, whether it be physically or emotionally, whether it be mentally, whether it be in temptation. On every level, Jesus Christ, our Savior, has suffered more. And here's my point. How will we ever know the love of Christ unless we experience the cost of it? How can we talk about this love that we need and enjoy and are benefited by if we don't actually know how much it cost him? It's like, how do you know what your parents did for you until you become a parent? You'll never know. So how can you possibly know how far and wide and high and deep is the love of Christ unless he allows you to experience similar sufferings? Not the same, but similar, so that you knew love's cost. It wasn't free to him, even though it's free to us. This love that proved itself not only in suffering and dying, but in victory, which will be ours. So as we persevere in 
knowing Christ above all things, what we will find, we will find the prize, the pain, and also the power that God uses. So here I am in my office with COVID, persevering to share the word of God. And here you are, persevering through this new medium, probably the light and dark that's going on, and where are my notes and everything else. Why? Because we know that knowing Christ is the best thing that there can possibly be today. May he give you peace, and let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we see so many people uh, tapping out in their walk with you, and I just ask that they would dig in. They would know that the, the work is worth it because you're on the side of it. And Lord, um, just ask your blessing upon um, all who've gathered and are hearing this, that they might know there is a prize, there is a purpose in the pain, and that you are powerful today. Um, and so, Lord, bless and be with us. We pray this all in Jesus' name.